Welcome to the Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we have to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas, and at least one good story. Merry Christmas! This is episode 78, The Scrumptious Simum. Bethlehem, where Flick sheltered at an inn. In A Christmas Carol, Marley's ghost tells Scrooge that it is required of everyone that the spirit within them should walk abroad among their fellow people and travel far and wide. Let's just get started and let Flick take it away from here. The first question. Yes. Can you describe what you look like? For the listeners, give them a picture <laughs> now that they've heard your accent. Um, I would say that I've got hair that looks like it's been dragged through a haystack. I've got one, I've got very, it's been very blowy and windy. It's been a windy walk today yes. on the way to the podcast, and um, so I've got lots of hair, very knotted looking. And um, how else did I describe myself? Um, sort of a, a lady in her sort of like late 20s, got green eyes, and uh, apart from the wild hair, I don't know, but very sort of, I don't know, what do you say? What would you say I look like? Am I not, <laughs> Well, you fit right in here in yes. this trendy area. Oh, do I? Oh, yeah. yes, I've got my gold trainers on. So I should mention I've got a black coat on, so that's my more reserved attire and then I put on some gold trainers to sort of spruce it up because we are on the east end of London so it's a very sort of trendy part of London. So, yeah. Your scarf is a very vivid colour. I'm trying yeah. to figure out the, the name. Like, Oh, it's like a, a coral actually. Yes, yes. A sort of like luminous coral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's made from bamboo apparently. Yeah. Yeah, so it's Nice. nice and warm. Good for the good for the weather today. Yes. yes. <laughs> so next, can you also describe where we are? Yes. So we're in a, a lovely restaurant called Pizza East, um, uh, in, well, in Shoreditch, um, in the east end of London. And we're in an old um, factory, old biscuit factory, that's now been converted into a lovely large um, restaurant. So as you, you've just been dining in here, so did you get the feeling that it's very um, original to its factory days? Got lovely old wooden floorboards and um, distressed walls and it, it really gives that feeling of a kind of industrial feel because the East End was very much a kind of industrial uh, an area part of London so yeah <laughs> you're so good at uh, talking at, uh, <laughs> we, we met you as our tour guide oh, yes. this food tour but yes. you have that quality of making each sentence uh, you know be interesting like oh. every detail comes oh. out good pacing all oh, that like, good you put me on the spot the next <laughs> I'm going to be blocked. You say I'm going to have that sort of writer's block or so in the vocal. But yeah, thank you. That's very nice. Thank you. Well, I wonder how that comes about. Is that practice or is that something inherent, like something oh. natural? Well, I think it's. If, well, that's a very nice question. I've never been asked something like that before. But I suppose it's just when you're a tour guide, it's um, very much a people industry, and it's just really the connection and the, the love of just talking and chatting to people. Like it's been so lovely to chat to you both today about your experiences, what's brought you to London. You're here for a month. You've got so much to explore. And I suppose it's just like a, a words are like a visual. It's what you see visually and you put it into your mouth. I don't know how to describe it, but I love it. It bubbles out. I try and bubble it out. I don't know. I sound like I'm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I envy you. 
because you get to meet people from yeah. all over the world in this moment where they're really excited yes. and happy. And yeah, it's yeah, got to yeah. be really easy to connect with people like that. It's lovely. It really is nice when you meet people who have just, just come to London of the first day. I mean, there was a couple of few weeks ago who were staying in Paris and they, they've got the Eurostar to London and you could just see this kind of... This, these eyes were open like pies, like looking at the city. And it was fascinating that the first place they came to London was the East End, which is traditionally, like as I've been saying to you, off, was off the off the map. It wasn't considered sort of the, you know in the old days the, the the part of London that people would go to. And they only had one day, and they chose to explore this part of the of the city. So it'd be like I don't know what's what in Chicago. Like I don't know if you think of your sort of main tourist sites in Chicago, and it would be like going into. I don't know. A non-tourist non part. Yeah. part and just yeah. exploring for one day. And they only came for one day. So I thought that's really exciting. They had this really fresh perspective on the city and um, must have been so foreign for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah must have been yeah. so foreign. So I hope the, the idea is that we ease them in a bit and, and you know, hold their hand through it. And I, no, not all the time, but, you know, that's the yeah. idea. You know. And you're just kind of starting out. This, you yes, yes. This is your first uh, My first tour. Yeah, yes, yeah, my yeah. first full session. So yeah. it was very nice to meet you both. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to check. <laughs> In again and see, you yes, know, you'll have to come and see if it exactly, changes, yeah. or you know. Well, no, I, I'm curious how it changes you to, yes, to do yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it does. Um, it does. Uh, I, I've seen guys who've done it for four years, and they seem so at ease and so in love with this, um, with this tour and with this part of London. And I'm starting that love affair now. It's just bit by bit as I learn, like the layers of history and the food. So that the, the main focus today is obviously been um, the food, but the history is so much a part of that as well served on the side with it you can't like when you're, you're well maybe I shouldn't reveal what's on to, to eat in case people do want to come because it is a nice secret when it kind of but layer by layer gets revealed but yes I'm hoping I will really fall in love with this part of London as well like they have and it will become an old hat you know something I put on and you know wear um, as, as yeah. <laughs> Would you pick just one item of food to describe? Food? Okay, okay. Yeah. What did we... Oh, I see. I think... What did you guys vote for? It was the... The pudding. Yes. Now the pudding is um, actually was my favourite on the tour when I first did it, and my eyes are ring like this, my eyes opened. And the pudding is a bread and butter pudding, so it's very much a traditional British dish. And we go to a very traditional British restaurant called the English Restaurant, and it's sort of like stepping into a Charles Dickens novel. And you, you did, I hope you got that feeling, Absolutely. and you're so warm we're, and cosy. And we're going to go right back there. Oh, you're going to go. Oh, that's yeah. so lovely to hear that, that you're going to go back there. I think that's the idea as well that you go back a second time and make your own story on um, away from the tour as well and a bread and butter pudding is well just scrumptious that's, I love that word <laughs> scrumptious and um, but it's very traditional I explain a little bit of the history of it sure. yeah so it's a, it really dates back to the 13th century where um, the poor um, created um, bread pudding as a way to kind of make their food last longer so they didn't want to throw away their um, old bread as uh, stale bread so they steamed it to soften it and they would soak it in milk and they would add sweets or meats if they had to the dish and then a little bit of lard or something a little bit of butter and now but what we have today is essentially an updated version of kind of um, bread that's been we don't use the stale bread anymore but we can do we can do and it's soaked in lovely custard and um, with um, lemon um, well not lemon sorry orange zest and vanilla seeds and it's got a lovely custardy 
soak and then and it's got lots of butter in it and it's whacked in the oven and out comes bread and butter pudding and it's absolutely delicious and we had we had some um, custard with it today as well which is you see the Brits love custard um, custard's on everything put custard on everything so yeah, yeah, that was a highlight of, of our year, I think. It was actually. really good, weird, and it's so like we only get a little little dish. But if you go back, you can. You could go back now. You could get a whole big loaf of it. Um, but it is gorgeous, and yeah. it's so easy to make. And lots of people make it in British households, you know, across the country. It's very much a staple, but a yummy one. Yeah. And you can be really creative with it. Sometimes you can make it with brioche bread. You can make it with panettone. So people at pan, you know, at Christmas, everyone gives you a panettone. Like, oh, what are we going to do with it? We'll make a make a bread and butter pudding with it. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. I have just two more questions. Yes, yeah, of course so, you can. Yeah, uh, yeah. Has travel played a big role in your life? Travel, yeah. Well, I, I was telling you that, like you, I lived in... Um, I lived in China. I lived in China for a year with my partner in Beijing, and I think it was a really fundamental part like, of my... It's really opened my eyes now for... What, it, it's given me a flavour for doing it again, and it, which I think perhaps I was a little bit reserved about before. But actually immersing yourself, living somewhere, was a really important part of it. And doing it really in a kind of scary deep end, throw yourself in that way. And we lived in the Hutongs, which is such an, a traditional part of Beijing city. And I like, lived in a courtyard, and our toilet was outside, our kitchen was outside. You know, in the winter we'd have to wrap up before I, need, you know, if I needed to go to the loo, I'd put on my like, put on all my like fur. You know, I didn't have fur, but you know, put on my, or like three coats and like wrap up, but it's like, oh, to go out there. But really did it the authentic way. I and mean, we tried to, and I think um, it, there were moments where you learn the ugly side of yourself <laughs> as well as the good. Like you see this, this this demon come out of you because of the frustrations, because you're still learning so much. But then there's this, um, I think I'm, I hope I've grown up because I've learned that. Yeah, is it, is it a kind of exorcism? Yeah. Away then, or? Oh, I don't know. I think they went back again. I think it comes back. I think it. But I think I. You always look at something with rosy tinted glasses, don't right. you? And I get so nostalgic for my Beijing days. I don't know whether it's because you can be doing the same job but doing it in a foreign city or a foreign country, but you're still learning, even if it's the same job. So because every day when you're walking down the street you're like, why do people do that? That's so fascinating. In the same way they're probably looking at me and thinking, who's this crazy foreigner? Why does she do this? And why does she speak like that or stand like that? Um, and um, not that I'm saying that, but yeah, you're yeah. always learning, you're smelling new foods, you're, you're experiencing the new language and you can't switch yourself off from engaging with it. So you're constantly filling yourself up with, um, with, with, with new information, new things, new ideas. And I I think that's why it's so infectious and why I really, really loved it. Yeah. Because like, even though I can come back here and do the same job, I'm, I'm, I am learning here, but it's the same, that same flavor and quality of, 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 of uh, I don't know how to describe it, um, learning this. Yeah. You, know, you, you wake up and you're learning, or, or you're, you're absorbing, at least you're absorbing something every single day. Right. Yeah, so. Do you have one example of something you saw in China where you thought, why do they do that? <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. I don't know if you can record <laughs> all of them. <laughs> 
Yeah, these are some of our favorite stories to tell. Oh my gosh, they think they was, um, <laughs> there was a thing in Beijing. <laughs> there was the baby nappy thing. Have you ever seen that? I mean, I don't know. Yes. The, um, we always tell that too. Yeah, there was it like that you, really you see a child totally wrapped up in a bundle and then you think you can't understand why the child's suddenly doing its business in the you know in the middle of the street with a slitty, what do they call those? <laughs> they, they have um, a hole in the back of them. Yeah. That, that was always a bit shocking. There was also but the it was just, just right on the street. Just yes, right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was just the lovely, the lovely things of like, um, particularly in the Hutong, that the older men and oh yes, that, this is actually one of the older men would always be in their pajamas like all day and like, not all the time, but really just it was like when you lived there, you were living in someone's house. Like the whole street, the whole street was essentially everyone's home. It was such a communal feeling. But I, when I remember when I first turned up to live in Beijing, and um, I said to my partner, I said to Nikolai, I said, "Oh, look at all this street furniture on the on the side of the outside of the street in the Hutong." And we don't need to go to IKEA. We could just probably upcycle. You know, you have all these ideas. Like, we'll upcycle. We'll be really like trendy in India. And um, and then the next day, all these lovely older generation ladies came and sat down outside and so people's living rooms are outside in the streets and I love that because I used to cycle past these four older women every day and I wouldn't say how are you because you don't say how are you you always say me um have you eaten yet because it's such an important like you know this from China like it's such an important part of the culture to ask you know if your bellies are full I mean you know that because you've been on your food tour you must love having your bellies full so they're so that was a really nice thing I think that was that made me think oh fantastic let's put our living room outside that was made me think of them a bit um, um, I'm trying to think of other ones it's just like the things of like the water being thrown out as you're cycling along the street and it like hits you or like someone spits right in front of your face or we called them Beijing oysters the spits that got frozen in the, I don't know don't put these all in I feel like I've been awful but they were just they were just what, like it wonderful it is different you know? yeah, yeah, it's yeah. endearing in a way yeah. if you have the right attitude about it you know? yeah 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 exactly yeah, no, it's, it was um, just wonderful. It but really I mean, they, they look at us and they see disgusting things. No, that they do too, uh, yeah, exactly. You know? so. No, but no, it's totally in a way. It's like, of course, if it, if it's phlegm and bothering you, let it out. Like yeah. better out the window, better out than in. We're going so, to keep in all our bodily fluids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you get used to it, and then you're like, that is the thing. And when I also really loved. Um, people could sleep anywhere that I just noticed that as well like I just thought you know we're always like in the west we're always like oh trying to find time to sleep but what I noticed in China is people find time they just do it wherever they are whether that's like on top of their like motorbike or in a park on a park bench or um in, you know on their street furniture just like having a snooze and like minus eight weather they're just doing it and it's amazing so you just like you get so oh and another thing and I tell you one more thing about Ikea do you know about Ikea yeah 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 so that was People another people go there for a nap they're like they just set up their <laughs> so you, the you would day. go there you'd, you'd go to Ikea on a Sunday Nikolai and I would go because we really wanted smoked salmon and we really missed our salmon. we sound so privileged we really wanted our smoked salmon and we'd go to Ikea like we'd get a taxi all the way to Ikea and then we would we we looked like the kind of Swedish couple, even though we're so British, we did look like, because he's very blonde, I'm blonde, and we walk around. And then, 
and uh, you notice everyone asleep in the bed and then people like reading newspapers on the sofa and then people breaking up in the kitchen like having full blown like domestic arguments and you would watch and you were like this is how Ikea needs to hire people because essentially what it's illustrating is how the house is used people are having conversations like children being read stories on like grandpa's knee people are asleep and there was actually someone hired I think in the Beijing Ikea to go around and wake people up but like that, that was actually their job was to remind people that they're not allowed to sleep in the bed so that was fascinating so that was really fascinating did you guys join in did you yeah, sit down yeah. in the bed no I don't maybe I think after a while you're like how many would have slept in that bed you know it's like I think oh, that's not such a new bed after all is it I'd be buying it for me okay. no I think it was more we were always like oh let's try and find some furniture and we were like can we can we have a look at that sofa please I know you're asleep on it but actually we'd really like to try really like to try it out so that was really interesting I also loved, I keep going on, but I love, I work with children, I taught drama out there, and um, I love the sense of community, like the generational thing as well, the older generation is very much involved in the um, development of their their grandchildren, and I would teach these classes, you know, because the the government controls the heating, so in like sort of November when it hasn't, I can't remember when it comes on again, but it hasn't come on yet, we're we're teaching in our coats because it's freezing outside, and um, we're in these cold buildings, and the grannies would come in, and they would, they would lavish, you know, like coats, and like, these children would come in covered in so many layers, like so much love, like it was like so much love, and and they'd come in every, you know, ten minutes just to check they've had water, and it just is kind of very much um, the family is well. I suppose it's it's very important there. I noticed that was really important, and yeah. everyone eats together. And, and food is a very important part of the culture. I noticed every day at twelve o'clock, everyone's out having their lunch, no matter what. Anyway, I probably told you way too much. You no, probably no, just no, wanted no, one story. And I well, no, no, no. Well, well, I do have to ask you again. Then yes, the last yes. question: What is your best travel story? It doesn't have to be yeah. China. It could be anywhere. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that now. Oh, I went, I went to Palestine. I mean, that was quite a... Um, okay, great stuff. I wrote a show about it because it was such... I mean, my best... I'm probably revealing way too much about myself if I tell you, but I think I ended up in the... Um, staying in a... In a travelling through the Palestinian desert and staying in a mud brick house. And I remember... Um, at one time, being you know quite scared, but there was it, it, it was quite the sandstorm came, and essentially it was a bit like a sort of biblical sandstorm, and I really did feel like I was in the Bible. And it was so ferocious, and we sort of fled from this mud brick house, and we went to Bethlehem, and it was one of those classic, you know, we turned up at Bethlehem at the, at the inn, and we were like, please, can we have a room at the inn? And then they were like, um, no, there's no room at the inn. <laughs> So we were just so desperate. We were like, we've got to go to it because we've been staying in the desert for, um, you know, for days, and we couldn't hack. We just couldn't hack it. We were just too soft, and um, and uh, eventually they're like, we have a room, and we were so overwhelmed that we'd been given somewhere to sleep, with shelter, essentially a proper sheltered room, and realised how much we'd taken for granted um, in our in our lives. And so we sat down, and and the lady, wonderful lady, I wish I could remember her name, but she brought in some salad for us to eat, and we were very um, tired. And, and desert, um, dirty from the Dino Desert, and we were like, "Thank you so much. This is amazing." The, the, some water, and then she brought in some 
rice. And we were like, oh, thank you so much. This is really amazing. And then she brought in some chicken for us. And I think we were like in floods of tears. We just couldn't believe the generosity. And it did really feel, I mean, I'm not Jesus, so I'm not saying that. But it really, I really am not. But it just saying it, it, felt, it felt like the parallels of this kind of like biblical story. I, I wasn't about to give birth or anything, but when I did it. Thank you so much to Flick for her fine guiding through London's fine dining and for sharing so many great tales from China and Palestine. Off mic, she told us a lot more about what she was really doing in Palestine. Maybe one day you'll get to see her perform her one-woman show in London that she wrote about the experience. Thank you for listening on Christmas. Thank you to Dana Boulay for her music. Think about that foreign birth celebrated today and how it stamped Jesus' whole life. And remember all those who are born in flux and those who stay that way. We all do, to lesser or greater degrees. Kiva is one good way to make a small difference. Join our Kiva giving team by following the link on our webpage or just go directly to kiva.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and iTunes. Merry Christmas!